right, Sports Gasmic Pod back with Vince for another week of what the fuck happened to the Timbers. Um, basically, just the what is up the North we- Northwest Sports What the Fuck podcast at this point. Um, how are you, Vince? Good, good. All things sports wise considered, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's probably something that we've I think we've both talked about off air plenty of times about how in our old age we we're, we care about sports just as much. We're somehow just somehow figuring out how to deal with it better. I think there's more yeah. a, a self deprecating humor. Humor comes with it and all that stuff, and we, yeah. But I think in the moment we were still pretty angry on on uh Well, it was Monday my time, Sunday your time, I believe. Yeah, I'd like to think I'm better at when when things are going well and things are fun. I can enjoy it just as much and mm-hmm. and let the losses go a little more now that I'm older. But in the moment, yeah, Sunday evening at the park was I was not in a good mood. I was not not thrilled for many reasons. Uh, it was a poor showing on and off the pitch for sure. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess we can start there just to go through it chronologically somewhat. Uh, your first reports from being being that Vince, being a season ticket holder for the Timbers, was in the crowd. Uh, we were watching from afar. Obviously, the rest of the Sportsgasmic uh, crew, lads, whatever we want to call ourselves. Um, you were reporting that the uh, the atmosphere was quite mute by comparison to the. Um, Famous Timbers Army standards that are uh, something that we've been quite proud of for years, uh, but you were reporting back that it felt quite different in the stands. Um. It did. It was. It was a weird. It was a weird feel. You know, you'd expect like a home opener, especially it's been two years since the Timbers had a true or a true home opener. Last mm-hmm. year was in June. The year before that, I think was like May. Um, so it's been a while since since the fans have been able to be excited about the season and. And, you know, we're not one and four or whatever it was like three and 10 last year when they finally or two and 10 or whatever it was finally by the time there was a home opener. You know, it's fresh start. I think a lot of the, the, the talk this offseason was just how toxic things got in the locker room last year. I assume due to the Brian uh, Fernandez stuff, maybe some of the Diego contract stuff, you know, and then obviously the 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 supporter. Um, uh I guess not, I don't know how, what you want to call it, the, the butting heads with the, the front office, we'll call mm. it, um, which definitely had an impact. So, you know, that was all mentioned in the off season and how everyone, the team was really excited for a new fresh start and to really prove, you know, that, that the core they had really is, you know, as good as we thought they were like last May or June. Um, so walked into the stadium thinking it's going to be, you know, raucous and, you know, there'll be TIFO for an opener and, and uh, it just didn't really feel that way. I don't know how much of it is was the cold. I mean, it was it was actually a really nice day in Portland, but it was really cold too. It was I think in the low 40s by the time um, kick kick took place, which isn't you know it's not like freezing or anything, but it, it was chilly, chillier than I think I expected. That's for sure. Um, but you know, I don't know if that had something to do with it or. I did find it interesting that the army didn't sing the national anthem like it's been accustomed uh, since the start for I guess nine years. They didn't last year either, which you know it wasn't until June was the opener, and we were right in the midst of some of that spat with the the army and the front office starting. Um, so I didn't know how much of it that last year had to do with that, but the fact they didn't this year, I found it to be really odd and unfortunate. Um, I don't know. And then you have coupled with, with the expansion, more and more, I would assume, longtime Army folks are moving out of the Army sitting area, and myself included. 
Um, so I'm part of the problem, maybe. Uh, but I've moved off to other areas of the state. And I think the hope was that new, fresh coming in, people have been on the wait list for years. Because um, when you get off that wait list, you're going to the Army. It's, mm-hmm. it's your entry point. Um, so I think there was some thought that maybe new blood would help that. Um, some people excited to be there. But it was. It was just... It's kind of mute. There were in the first half, there were periods of minutes, which sounds funny to fans maybe in other places, but there were minutes that would go by where there wasn't a defined chant happening from the army. And that was really weird. Like, it's just not something you see previously. Um, and even when there were, were unified chants going on, it just didn't, it didn't feel again. I don't know if it was the cold, you know, gloves are being, well, I don't know. I don't know what really it was. I'm really curious to see how this Sunday goes. Um, but it just didn't have that normal flair, especially for for a new, exciting, hopeful, hopeful at the time season start. So it's interesting, a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you've mentioned plenty of things there with what happened last year, as far as the butting heads with the front office, and whether there's some whether there's some fatigue carrying over. Um, that's something to wonder. And and like you said, the expansion has sent some people out, and um, I wouldn't say you're part of the problem. It's just it's natural progression that people. Um, that people that are passionate fans that were in the army will move out at some point, and that will hopefully translate to being actually just better atmosphere throughout the stadium too. So um, <laughs> you'd, you'd expect the people that are still in the army, particularly the hardcore army people, um, would certainly be trying to get some atmosphere going. So whether it's just that there's a bit of fatigue to them too from the last couple of years, everything. The MLS is in an interesting period that, um, I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit about the, the overall expansion and, you know, whether there's some fears with people that are in the army about how the MLS is going, whether they feel like they're being a little bit marginalized um, as a club, as a fan, like as a fan base. Um, so yeah, but that, that stuff last year was quite damaging, I think, to the overall yeah. fan experience. And I think there's a few people, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few people, Carpos and whatnot in there that just have that in the back of their mind that there's a, Sometimes passion can be a sub like how how you express yourself can be subconsciously affected by um, other other influences that have happened over the over time and your 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 feelings about the MLS f- five years ago as a Timbers army army fan would have been pretty well pretty good being that it was a <laughs> coming into a title when you <laughs> I can't believe that's almost five years ago now but I know you know you were heading towards the title and whatever and but now as a there's a little bit of um yeah the Brian Fernandez stuff as a fan was um rough. Uh, I can't even imagine what it was like in the locker room. Um, all the all the fan base stuff with the Iron Front um, ban and the butting heads with the, both the front office and the league as a whole, and and particularly the Timbers Army is really at the forefront of that. They're they don't want to be. They're certainly an organization that likes to be um, all encompassing and all and and project a political viewpoint um, and and be um, welcoming, but they don't. I don't think they want to be going to. Or, you know, league meetings in different states and having to push their cause and stuff like that. All that, all that kind of stuff might have been quite just draining. And then, and then, yeah, there's some excitement, but probably some apprehension in this off season as well. Because as much as the excitement's there for hopefully a fresh start, there is that that what if that maybe we we're feeling even more now after the, the uh, result on the night that maybe it's just going to be more of the same and we're going to we're, we're in a bit of a rut at the moment and it's going to take more than just a fresh start off season to get out of and the signing of another charter and whatnot so yeah it's hard to say I, where I it think the, yeah go ahead i was just i think the infamous term is same as it ever was yeah <laughs> uh, um yeah. yeah i definitely think that's like i don't think i was super uh i don't 
I think the boss season was positive. If anything, I thought the biggest addition was the subtraction of Brian, as much as that sucks to say, because he's went healthy and, and in the right mind. He's an incredible player, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could just feel it last year. I vividly remember, I know we talked about it, the, the LA Galaxy game when he got pulled in like the 75th minute. They're up like 3 0 or 3 1 or something like that. The game in hand. And he gets pulled. He hadn't scored. And he just had a fit on the bench. Mm-hmm. And things, we were still humming. The Timbers were still humming at that point. They beat LAFC for the first time. Or like no one had beat them on the road or in their home stadium. Same with New York FC. Like no one had beat them. So the Timbers were humming. And then it just seemed like that was a pivotal moment for me personally in that season. Was because it seemed like nothing was the same after that that moment. So, um but anyways, that aside, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how excited I was about the offseason acquisitions. I, I, I just, I wasn't unexcited. Just nothing blew the doors off for me and, and had me like, oh my gosh, it's going to be an incredible year. I was just more hopeful, like, like you know, like we touched on. Fresh. Everything that was last year, you know, the, the Iron Front debate, which again, the Army won. And I'm really proud to be a part of that organization that they stood up and won. You don't see that in any other sports, and in the in U.S. at least. Um, and they did win. The, the code of conduct has been changed. And, you know, again, that kind of led me to think, okay, like, let's put it behind us. They won. I, you know, there's still some, you know, healing wounds there, I know. But, um, you know, the, the outcome was what, exactly what everyone wanted. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. But back to the, the team. You know, I just didn't know how how to take the additions, um, and I think I think maybe aside from this addition by subtraction of Brian was the addition of our you know our goat, our longtime captain, savior of Larry. And boy, one game in, there's a lot of season left. Thirty what, thirty four, thirty three games left still. So it's by no means time to cast judgment, especially in this league, about how the season's going to go. But um, Man, he he looked rough, and I, I didn't particularly think any of the new guys really really shined too bright. Uh, I, I don't think Mora was really given a chance to shine, but mm. um, but yeah, I, I, I think yeah we can talk about if we want to get into the actual game. That was uh, yeah. I don't know what your thoughts were from afar. I know you said you didn't get to necessarily watch it all, but yeah, I was so a, what you yeah. heard and read and highlights. You know, I don't know what you thought, but. I got thoughts. <laughs> My yeah, I was working while it was on, and as I said to you before we started recording, um, I didn't feel particular with my, you know, we're all, we're all working people that have a lot of other things happening outside of things, and when mm-hmm. I'm not particularly uh, warm to the idea of going home and watching a replay of a game that I the bits I saw went horribly anyway, so I thought now nah, I'll pass on that one. I'll do something that makes me happy instead, <laughs> which I think that night yeah, was exactly. actually I think that night was actually just go to sleep because I was exhausted, but. Um, it still made me Better happy. Call. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the bits I, I particularly was the second half. I saw, I I saw the penalty. Um, like when we you know tied it back up, and I was like, okay, okay, re- reset again. Um, and let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, yeah, the the goals were just um, the defending was just completely. You know, the second goal. Uh, I can't remember who the central defender was that was kind of in the middle there, but he just he just got Hilarious. caught. Yeah, just kind of got f- caught flat footed, like moving one way, but then. I don't know where he was, whether he was just moving to mark some space, but there was only one 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 guy coming in for the cross that was really going to be a chance. So you've got to you've got to man up on that, and 
because you you at least get a, get some contact in there, and it's not going to be an easy easy goal like it was. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I mean, you nailed it. Yeah, I'm. And then um the yeah the third goal was obviously just um completely embarrassing. Um Shay, our fellow sportsgasmic uh, podcaster, said it's just like watching Arsenal again. Um, as we said at the start of the pod, self-deprecating humor gets us through. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, can't uh, laugh at yourself. What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he was texting me yesterday, just saying he's like, because I think there was a you know how Sturridge, Sturridge had his contract cancelled at Tresponsor because uh-huh. he's he's uh, he's um banned for betting or just some some he he's angry about it because he said oh, how can I how can I not even talk to my brother about where I'm going but. That's a yeah, another story we don't need to get into. But he was more talking about, oh, it'd be good to see Sturridge at the Timbers, and he just said, "I'm just tired." Right. And then he just then he just his next text was, "I'm just tired of watching what we're watching," and like it just that's it. It sums it up basically is that you just get tired of watching bad defending over and over again. Luckily, us is on the Liverpool side of things. We've only seen that for a couple of games rather than an entire season. But uh, yeah, when you're watching that Timbers defending. Um, I don't know. You know, the midfield wasn't great either. And that's, you know, often, the, you know, the battle games are won and lost in midfield. So when you, when the defense is under that much pressure, but when you, you're, you, you want to trust your defense to at least be capable of, you know, when, when the midfield breaks down and a team gets easy, easy chances into the box or good crosses into the box that your defense is capable of defending it. And regardless of what the midfield did, um, that second goal in particular was just, you know, there's, it's ba- there's a basic, guidebook to how to defend that situation and he completely threw the book out the window and tried to do his own thing and it didn't happen and yeah that's like that's a worry in the first game and look it's a worry in the first game but it's also at least it's in the first game and not in the middle of the season that you're seeing it we'll yeah. see we will see what happens in the middle of the season but you know that it was all clear and very obvious as to what they've got to work on but unfortunately it's a lot to work on and you being at the game i'm sure we'll have a better and having seen all of it we'll have more more thoughts than i do but yeah, basically everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and yeah. Yeah, you know, it was funny too because with the offseason acquisition, again, there was no name that like just was like, oh my gosh, and and the Timbers aren't going to get those names. It's just like the Blazers, which we'll get to later. But it it, it was we thought, or at least I thought that I know Geo is, is a guy you know that likes the high press and likes to play that aggressive attacking style. And the moves that they did make in the in the forward position and in the midfield made it feel like okay, like he's maybe he's finally got a roster that that can do this, that can handle his his style, desired style of play. And boy, and you saw the opening lineup, you're like okay, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're going for it. Mm-hmm. And it just in the first half there were some positives. They they were they were pressing. They were they were they were putting pressure on. But they just couldn't. They couldn't get. They couldn't turn that into any good opportunities. So that was distressing. Uh, but then it really, you know, Minnesota, to their credit, made good adjustments at half. And boy, did they burn that high press mm-hmm. real bad, like really bad. Uh, the goal you're talking about, yeah, I don't know where Larry's was going. And he's traditionally like I've been. He's a great defender. He's been a, he's been rock solid for the last couple of years. Um, so that was definitely disheartening, and, and you know I would assume and hope it's just a one-off from that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, blown coverages happen. You, you're not going to be perfect all the time, obviously. So unless your name's Virgil, but uh, <laughs> and then you know the, the, the Viafani had a really rough outing, I thought too. He looked kind of rough last year at times, and um, you know I was hopeful for him coming into this year because I think 
you know, I'm sure it was tough for him. He he left the Timbers after the 2015 championship and, and went to play down in Mexico, which was his dream always. He finally got to, like, realize his dream and play in that league. And I think he did pretty well for a while, but never never kind of had sticking power there. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure to have to come back. Well, he's probably excited, sure, to come back to Portland, somewhere he's familiar with and, and had a good good memories of. I, I'm sure that some part of that it has to be a really hard transition to to go from what you thought you know was your pinnacle or what you really wanted to be doing and you have to kind of take a step back mm-hmm. um again assuming that's how it went you know i don't know how things are working behind the scenes with that with that deal but it's the way it seemed from the outside so he had a, he had a disappointing go for sure um and yeah i mean the only the only goal was off the pk and so to not get a goal in the run of play and not even there were a couple threats um and it actually turns out after watching back some highlights and, and digging in on a few things, uh, definitely should have had a PK in the, in the fifth minute, sixth minute, I guess, technically. Um, and some national pundits would agree. And so, but you know, again, that's neither here nor that doesn't really matter, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there just, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of positives to take from the game. I think, I think Chara played, you know, Chara or Steve Clark were the, the men of the match for sure. Tara, you know, every year you, you you worry, he rolls out, and you're like, okay, he's another year older. How is he going to look? And sure, you know, again, one game in, but it didn't seem to, to miss a beat. Got his got his yellow, um, <laughs> as would be expected. Um, when 71, just played 70, really well. 71 minutes without a yellow for a season. <laughs> I know. He, he did well. It was, only, it was only six minutes into the season before we had our O-referee take another bong hit chant. So, yeah. again... <laughs> You know, we're breaking records here. Um, but, yeah, just other than those two, really, I have a hard time. Again, I didn't think Moore really had a chance to get into the game because they, while they attacked well in the first half, he wasn't getting service. He wasn't really getting chances at the ball, I didn't feel like, you know, other than maybe where he got taken down by the keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but Valeri looked really rough, and hopefully that's just some rust and getting back into the groove of the season. Um, but it – it was pretty glaring, I thought. Um, and then, yeah, Blanca was kind of non-existent out there. So some of those star guys you hope would be kind of carrying the low, the lead, especially early in the year, definitely didn't step up. So, um, and we'll see. You know, I, I will say that I would also like to mention that Minnesota may very well be a very good team this year. Uh, you know, they they made some surprises last year and made the playoffs and and mm-hmm. looked like a good team, and I think only strengthened themselves this off season. Uh, didn't lose a ton, I don't think. I don't know a ton about their roster makeup, but I, I don't remember reading anything like they lost anybody massive or anything. So they very well could be a really good team this year too. And and hopefully, you know, this weekend against an expansion team in their first road game is it's second game of the year, so it's hard to call it a, a must win. But but you gotta come out and win that game, or else we're gonna be out. Yeah, there was a the striker that um, I'm trying to Google it, and then my computer's just being a pain in the ass, which is just standard procedure, really. Um, Classic. Yeah, I kept on typing in, typing in Minnesota FC, and it would somehow get I'd somehow end up at uh, the Golden Gophers website, and I don't even know how. <laughs> uh, that Kevin nice. Kevin Molina, that's the one, uh, and all that Amaria as well. Both of them, like. They looked. That was the one thing I actually noticed more than I noticed anything about the Timbers. I think it was actually that Amaria in particular. Um, he looked really good for them, and like so, 
they did look like they their front guys looked really, really dangerous, quite quick and tenacious. Um, everything that ours kind of weren't. Um, and like you said, there wasn't sometimes wasn't the chances for it. But it's it's interesting. I'm actually just having a quick look at the stats for the game. Uh, like the Timbers had four, uh, 140 more passes, eight uh, percent. You know, well, sixteen uh, percent more possession. If you you know, it was 58-42. So uh, shot shots more shots. But Minnesota are obviously more clinical with more shots on target. But yeah, it's it's a worry when um, you can have you can kind of dominate a couple of statistical, um, you know, lines, but not actually do much else. Like when, you know, Minnesota's game plan was perfect. You know, they're coming out there looking to probably hold, like you know, keep a good back. You know, you want those two lines of defense, like being you know the back line, obviously, and then a midfield line to be you win, you win the battle in midfield and. And I yeah, I'm actually surprised seeing those stats, but you know, a lot of the Timbers were probably this. It was. You know, there's that garbage time kind of stuff that you know. There's a lot of you. There needs to be a stat for decisive passes as well, which just isn't listed in these main ones that you often can Google. But yeah, Minnesota mm-hmm. looked the better team on the night in general, just with how clinical they were. Um, whereas the Timbers looked aimless at times, and that's probably reflected in the stats a little bit. But when you put the stats in your eye test together, you can see what the aimlessness was because they've they've got the more passes in possession, but a lot of it was just it was. Useless. I mean, you know, keeping hold of the ball is one way of stopping another team scoring until we figure out what the hell you're doing. But um, yeah, just looking at that, like Minnesota, the, the the Minnesota players did impress me, um, particularly those two. I, you know, I obviously had no no barometer on Minnesota and hadn't heard of them until I yeah. watched the game. But they were they stuck in my mind because of that. And then yeah, you might be right. They might be a very good team this year, and they've got their first you know clinical road result that um, was quite positive. And yeah, that might be the start of a good season for them. And Maybe we'll look back back on this one and feel we overreacted. And that, and like you said, first game of the season. But um, there was certainly a lot of signs to a lot of things that the Timbers need to improve, which you don't want to see. You want to hope that these kind of things are ironed out in off season and preseason games because that's what they're there for. And when you see it happening in the first game of the the ones that matters, that's what worries you is because you think, well, what what the hell have we been doing for the last three or four months? Yeah, and you know when the Timbers have had early season real home openers, they've traditionally been so strong in them, and that's I think, you know, a, another big thing that is just a little a little alarming. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was just reading. I was trying to find. You know, it actually it doesn't surprise me a ton that if you you know on the on a stat sheet that it looks like the Timbers. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. Dominate is not the right word, but but held control because they did. They're, you know, especially that first half, it felt like they were in control, mm-hmm. but it was. It's was just one of those cases. The counter, the counter was deadly, and yeah. they just, you know, it was pretty clear that once the Timbers lost possession, it was just a cluster f trying to figure out how to get back properly and mark, mm-hmm. and it just never, it never came to fruition, and and you know, obviously. Yeah, like you said, you know, when we got the the PK goal, you felt like, okay, here we go. Like, let's let's reset here. Let's, you know, this is what it was kind of a feeling out process um, to start the game. But now let's turn it on. And then they turn around and get two goals within like three minutes. It's just, you know, you could just, you could feel, even when they got their second one, two one, you're thinking, all right, let's get this, you know, let's get a point at least. And, you know, crazy things happen in Providence. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll get all three here down the stretch, but then they just turn around and get another one. Just again, off sloppy defense, sloppy defending off a, off a counter. And yeah, you just felt the air just, just leave the stadium pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, 
So it's, uh, you know, again, we, we move on, you move on to the next game and you have an expansion team playing their first road game coming in who, you know, their credit, they played really well in front of 60,000 people out there and they played Atlanta tough. Uh, you know, we, I'm sure we'll touch Atlanta has a, has a tough blow in that game and it was credit to them for hanging on and, and mm. cutting out a win after losing their star. But, um, you know, they'll be, they got a, they got a roster full of guys that, you know, and that's something I'm annoyed about, which is the MLS, but they got a roster full of guys that are coming from expansion drafts here that all, you know, a good chunk of them have MLS experience, might not be stars for any of their clubs, but they've been around the league. You go through the roster and you recognize, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I've, you know, recognize all these guys. So, uh, it's not like they're going to come in, like they're all coming from the second division and have no idea how to play in front of these kind of crowds and whatnot. So. You know, it's it's going to be another test, I think, and but it's a test you have to pass. There's there's no doubt about that that they they have to win this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's well, that's basically is you have when you have a home game against a uh, yeah, expansion team, those are the ones that you're expecting to get. I, I mean, and it's a tough thing to say because it's often the, the expansion teams have got nothing to lose, so they might. And considering our count, our, like last year. Uh, I think the I can hear you still. It's just uh, the poor video connection. All right, we might be having some technical difficulties here. I'm not sure if Vince can hear me or not. You there? Yep, you there? There we go. Yep. <laughs> I'll, okay. I'll, yeah. I tried to load Nashville's site, and it just like completely crashed my computer. So <laughs> they clearly have their shit together. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I was just saying that you know Nashville um, will be coming in with the, um, the, the kind of attitude that uh, they've got nothing. Obviously, they're trying to build something, so it's not nothing to lose in that sense. But they're they're also going to be looking to try and be tough and not give Portland any easy chances. And they'll probably look at that video from last week and go, "Well, yep. if we can catch them on the counter as well, like you know, it, you know we've seen it in the Premier League, um, like team like Watford against Liverpool last week, like a, yep. a team that's a, a team that's not expected to get anything if they've got a good." a good um, attitude towards the counter at least have a plan that way you can absorb pressure and then um, and then have, have your plan to counter and anything can happen and um, Nashville might have that plan now that they've seen the Timbers be a little bit weak on the counter and not be, be a bit defensively all over the place um, obviously the Timbers will be working hard this week too I would hope uh, but yeah it's not it's not out of the question that Nashville could come and um, smash and grab as well with with what we've seen so far so the Timbers have got to be um, very careful that they don't um, underestimate just because it's an expansion team. Um, we're, we were all expansion teams at one point. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it'll be interesting. I'm curious how the lineup looks, if there are any changes, major changes to the lineup. Um, yeah, I, I, the atmosphere, there's just so many things now that I'm really, really curious about. And, and then they turn around and, they got, I think, three in a row on the road after after Nashville. So maybe just two. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be, you know, we can't. The hope was this year, I think, um, just two on the road, but one of which being at LAFC. So yikes. Yeah, um, I think Andrea is going to hopefully get to that one. She said. Nice. Uh, you know, but the hope is that. The hope was this year, I think, is you got a couple of home games to start. You got, you know, an actual balanced schedule. Let's not get off to this start that we're in a hole and trying to claw your way out, get to the 
you know, nowadays with the, the playoff format, it's like, it feels like forever, even the year they won, that the Timbers are always hovering around around that red line. Mm. And there's never, in, as far as I can remember, there was, I guess, a couple. Even the year they won the Western Conference, which was ironically the year after, I believe, if I'm getting my years correct, that they won, or a couple years after they won the championship, you know, it was still, it wasn't like it was uh, an end-to-end, you know, leading from the from the go. Um, like much like, you know, LAFC last year, Atlanta two years ago, where they're, they just come out of the gate and they just lead wire to wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Timbers have definitely never been in that position. Not to, not to say we thought that that would be a case this year, but it's just, let's, let's stop this starting in a hole 10 games into the year. You're, you know, you're hovering around the playoff line and then have to fight, you know, your way up and you're, you're on the road right off the bat in the playoffs. And, you know, it, it's just, it'd be nice to see finally a year where it's like things start out okay and you're in a comfortable position for most of the year and, and battling for home field, not just battling for your life. So, uh, and so I think that, you know, Sunday was a blow to that and hopefully the blows don't keep coming because, you know, New England, I believe, drew this week again. Okay. Um, so that's who you got on the red first and then LC, good luck with that. And then home for Minnesota this month. So five games this month and, you know, you, yeah, you can't you can't lose more than a couple of those. I don't think. Yeah, and you and you'd be hoping so. you'd be hoping maybe a point on the road, which, as you said, LAFC may not be the one you look at. So I'm um, sorry, New England. No. no, no disrespect to them, but uh, LAFC are obviously the class of the competition um, beyond choking in the playoffs, the bastards. But um, yeah, uh, that, one job. Yeah, beat Seattle. That's <laughs> yeah. all you had to do. Yeah, I, th- I think I just dis- uh, my disdain for LAFC is uh, is mostly predicated on that. Even though beforehand I wasn't a huge fan anyway, <laughs> just just do one thing for us and yeah. Anyway, uh, Carlos Velo um, looks amazing this year already, so that's that's my worry. Um, that chip goal, um, just to briefly talk about things that happened around the league. Yeah. Uh, that's all I've actually seen more than anything. But that was um, that was unbelievable. That was to have that quickness of thought in that moment to uh to look at the situation see the keeper and the keeper's not even that far off his line he's just up up a bit and so he looks and says all right if i get this chip in the perfect position even if the keeper backpedals he's not going to quite get there and how he gets rotates that all through his mind and then executes it and it goes exactly as he planned like look those shots are like small percentage ones because it might just go an inch over the bar and it's like oh it was good effort but whatever but he executed it perfectly as well. That's exactly what he wanted to do, and and he, and he did it. So, not like not like a huge fan of LAFC or anything like, but LAFC or anything like that. But that he's admittedly one of the, the great players in the league at the moment, and, and does deserve the respect. Even if you and we'll get into talking about how the league's progressing as far as its expansion goes in a second. So this is probably a good segue. But he's one of those guys that, regardless of how you feel about where the league's going, it's like you're happy to have him in the league. You're not sure if. It'd be nice if these players got spread around a little bit more, but he's an impre- incredibly impressive player to watch. And you just can't help but say, you know, give a good tip of the hat to a goal like that and the ingenuity that goes into that kind of thing. And just be nice to see it in Tibbers' colors one day. But yeah, just anyone, yeah, anyone yeah. that's good at football, come to Portland, please. Yeah. Yeah. And you nailed it. Like, uh, my first thought when he when I saw the highlights of that was exactly that, that he, that wasn't, it's not like the goalie was outside the box and he was at midfield and, you know, it was when he, that was a tight window for him to chip mm-hmm. that in there and he did it to perfection. And, and yeah, I'd agree. I very much dislike LAFC. 
for many reasons, and some are valid, some are not. Um, and him, I dislike, but can respect. He's one of those where it's like, you know, God damn it, I hate you, but God damn it, I respect you. <laughs> uh, and it's it's true because he's he's a pleasure to watch when he's not facing the Timbers. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and it, he is good for the league to have. Um, but yeah, like you alluded to, I think. It's interesting how all the new clubs have all the new shiny tools, but um, and all the new shiny fan bases and all that. And you know, I know we've touched on it. Like you, I guess we can use this as a segue. Is that it is the fear now? I think, at least for me personally, as a Timbers fan of, I think you put it perfectly when we were talking last Sunday. Is that there felt like we were in a window for the first eight, seven or eight years of the Timbers' existence in MLS where the Timbers really used as that star child of here, look what the fans can do. Look what your fan base and like the atmosphere can be in this mm-hmm. league. Like soccer's exciting and emotional and like, it can be a really special thing for your city. And so we were really used and propped, propped the MLS of, and, you know, to be fair, like Seattle and, and, you know, the Northwest really was, was really kind of the catalyst for that. Um, and now all of a sudden you have these new clubs, new big money, new big giant stadiums and, which is, you know, it's great for the health of the league overall, I suppose, but it feels like a lot, of, and the Timbers can't be the only ones feeling this way, if it feels like the league is passing them by. Uh, and again, that that might be a little reactionary. I think, you know, week one, and, and it's not nothing, you know, Seattle was a big market, but they were the ones that won last year. It's not like LA or, or Atlanta won again, or New York, or soon to be Miami. Um but it is interesting to see how the league is shaping, where all the talent that's coming in and, you know, seemingly younger talent, where it's going um, and kind of the fan bases. Give credit. LAFC has got a hell of a fan base mm. and they they make that atmosphere special. And I even dare to say of late, at least, especially, you know, it's, it's better than the atmosphere in Portland. And it's it's a scary thing when for years Portland has. The, the atmosphere, the fan base, the, that's what we've had. We've been able to sell. I would assume to some some outside, you know, like the free agent, or not free agent, but like in the transfer market. And I don't know how much that actually plays into things. But, you know, that's been what Portland sells. And and it seems like we're not even doing that best anymore. And mm-hmm. on the pitch is a little a little worrisome as well. So um, it, it's interesting times for the team, I think, and for the league, obviously, as they continue to expand. Um it's just going to be really interesting how the smaller market teams exist and find their place. Uh, you know, as, as we've seen in the NBA, it's not always easy. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the rules adapt and how, how the, the smaller clubs adapt as well. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing is like you, we had during the two thousands and early noughts or whatever you call them, um, uh, or 2010s that we had, you know, you had Houston winning a couple of championships in a row and being a perennially like, a big team and, and and the Timbers were uh, came into the competition and, and you know, De- Denver and uh, Colorado and Kansas City winning championships and whatnot. And um, not Kansas City, I'm trying to think. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, they got one in there, though. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, you had all these teams like that and now it's, like, starting to become, like, more and more feels like that we're going to start not seeing those teams winning as much, um, including ourselves. Uh, you know, you, you said the other day you got to wonder if t- t- fans in Denver and, uh, you know, Columbus and all that are feeling the same. 
um, that we'll see more and more that'll be, you know, maybe there'll be a year or two where a team like the Timbers or Colorado or whatever can can push up with a good good run, you know, a good coach and a good squad together because that's always possible, you know. It's the yep. old it's the old Leicester City asterisk in the in the uh, in the midst of the uh, Big Four winning championships. <laughs> um, you know, there's always a chance. Um, you know, as as small as it is, but uh, with the way the league's going, with uh, these big, you know, these big money, shiny expansion teams like Inter Miami having, you know, Beckham up there and and LAFC uh-huh. and the brand new stadiums and all that, like just how how the teams are going to, how the MLS is planning to, because that parity is certainly not going to, um, with more and more teams of money behind them that are in big big markets, that parity is going to get worse as far as the split between the haves and the haves nots, essentially. Um, you know, the Timbers have a great business model as far as what they're doing with their ownership and whatever, but it's not, um, it's certainly not a business model sustainable to be able to compete with the top. It'll be, I think I mentioned the Oakland A's thing to you the other day, it'll be that kind of, Repeat mm-hmm. every year will be a repeat of a money ball strategy, hoping it just sticks one year. Um, because it's not saying that it's bad strategy or business, it's just you have to, you, you're just you know, you're always fight, you're fighting, you're pushing shit uphill all the time. Um, hoping that just one one year it'll one year you'll get there, and then the next year it'll be the same thing again. Even if you get there one year, then you'll have to go back to the drawing board because you know, if you've had a good player that year, you'll probably go somewhere else, and it's kind of that, that, mm-hmm. that's what happens with these small teams. and these kind of leagues and um, the MLS for a long time was really uh, expanding to interesting markets. And, you know, the, you know, those few years at Timbers, Seattle and Vancouver all came in, um, you know, there was Seattle was a big, like big city market. Um, but, you know, Portland was a smaller one, Vancouver, a smaller one. And now it just feels like, yeah, you're getting these big money ones. Like Austin's got, you know, Matthew McConaughey as the, the figurehead of that one. And, yeah, I just don't know where it's going to go from here on as far as how the MLS, with having, what, it's going to be 30 teams by the end of next year or year after? Is that where it is? Yeah, 28. 28. I think they'll be up to. Uh, or maybe Sacramento and St. Louis are the 30th. I don't even know. It's hard to yeah. keep track anymore. And then again, and with that, every single year comes a new expansion draft. So, mm. you know, a handful or two of your guys are unprotected and could go to other teams. And then it's on you to, to rebuild what you've been building. Um, and I just, I just don't know. And, you know, obviously it's, it's a exponentially faster rate of growth right now. And it will slow. I don't know what the plan is. is the plan to get to 40 and break into two leagues and have a, a mini like pro rel system, which mm-hmm. I think would make everybody happy, but also I don't know how viable that actually is. So or completely change the other it completely change the business model if you did that. So exactly. So there's a whole other uh, range of issues. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so, or is it? Are we going to 30, 32, like all the other big American sports, and and we just fight from there? And and so it is. It's interesting what the the long term plan is. And and you know, I have, I have to give credit where credit's due. These new clubs that are coming in, like Atlanta, LAFC, they're building really good rosters. They're making smart moves. They're going into places like South America and, and Central America and getting these players, young, talented players. Um, and so I, I got to give them credit. I, I don't, I can't act like they're just getting all of, all of the benefits and, and not making any good, smart moves. And, you know, the Timbers took their swing at a big money guy. And, and you know, we know how that worked out, unfortunately. So, you know, so. Oh, it's reconnecting. <laughs> it's been one of those days today. We'll see if um, 
it comes back in or oh this garage band you mean what's that you mean garage band reconnecting or no no you were oh sorry you were yeah oh you could hear all that could oh, you okay. yeah it was just like blank on my screen with reconnecting all righty oh, yeah, yeah. anyway we're back <laughs> um but yeah, you know, they're making good moves. I can't, mm-hmm. it, but, and at the same time, you know, you have clubs like LA and, and Atlanta that are making good moves and doing, you know, putting a viable product out immediately and contending or if not winning championships. But then you have a team like, like Cincinnati or Minnesota, who now, again, like we already touched on, maybe it seems like they're year four or five in, three or four, I guess, in. They're starting to take that turn and actually kind of become viable, whereas they struggled for a few years. Mm-hmm. And Cincinnati seems like that team. So, uh, you do have both both things happening with teams that are entering, but it just feels largely, and I think I, I said it in a message to you earlier in the week, it, it feels like the MLS wants what the Premier League has in the sense of there's five or six teams that can win it every year. There's five or six teams that will win it every year, and the rest are just kind of there to, to, to be there. Yeah, It, it just feels like that. Um, maybe I'm just paranoid fan of a small market team, and that's all it is, but... It just really feels that way. So I think that's where a lot of the worry worry comes from. And I, I think on the pitch results like we saw and off the pitch atmospheres and kind of tension, I would call it, uh, in the stands still, when you see those two things combined in week one and already kind of have these lingering thoughts of what's the league's position and, and future, um, it's a little bleak, I guess. But uh, hopefully it's a, it's a one-off, just a blip and things will be fine next week. Yeah. Be praising how great we are. <laughs> it's going to be amazing and rainbows and butterflies. And- yeah. Valerio will have a hat trick or something. And he'll be like, yeah, he's, he's, he's 25 again. Um, yeah. He's an all-star. Come on. <laughs> Never uh, doubted him for a second. It, it, it is interesting because there is like, I, I was, I'm talking about all the big market ones. There is a lot of smaller markets coming in. Like Sacramento is not a tradition. Like that's a, you know, they've got a basketball team and that's it. Um, you know, so there is these smaller market teams, and Sacramento is obviously a big city still, but um, not in the same same realm as you know yeah. LA or whatever. Um, so there is these teams coming in from, and St. Louis would be you know a middling market, I guess. They're not they're not they're quite a large city, but not like a again not New York or Miami as far as the glitz and glamour and things like that. So there is these a lot of teams coming in that are going to co- come into that kind of that zone that Portland are as well, um, as far as the size of the city yeah. and relative to. The rest of the league, so they're all going to be coming into the same boat, and um, it is just Charlotte a, is yeah. the other one. Yeah, <laughs> and you're right. You're right. Thirty. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, thirty yeah. and Charlotte. So it was probably tw- it was probably twenty eight last week, and then this is like there was that little yeah. period where it was just like suddenly a new team was officially announced. I was like, wait, what? Okay, you know, you'd heard the rumors, but you didn't think it was that serious, and suddenly it's like, oh no, Sacramento's officially coming. It it is happening now. Mm-hmm. And, even this year, when I realized Inter Miami was starting play this year, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like it just felt so quick. So, yep. Um, it is. It, look, it's good. The league is doing like back in the seventies and eighties with the old N- NSL or whatever it was. Or NSL was Australia, kind of. Um, whatever it was called. NASL. NASL. Yeah, we had NSL in Australia, which is really confusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they did expansion the wrong way. Then it completely folded the league in the end. Um, obviously, and then their weird penalty shootouts and whatever as well was probably not good and they tried to <laughs> I I'd li- revolutionize I, it. I would like to watch a penalty shootout that way done in modern times though with like Barcelona and Real Madrid and El Clasico with that kind of pen- penalty shootout would be hilarious and some good <laughs> and some good TV but yeah the and credit to the MLS that they are the expansion does seem to be 
working as far as like expanding the product without but i don't know where the mls is financially like i think shay mumbled something the other day in conversation i don't know why i said mumble because it was text but i think it was in the uh, group chat about like the mls operating possibly you know it might be at deficits as a you know increasing the league hoping that that that, you know there'll be catch up once all that stuff is done so at the moment it seems fine but you know who knows where you know i i always have had the worry is it happening too fast? Because the, the especially the last half a decade, there is a lot of teams coming, um, you know, very quickly. So, but you know, until until it is going badly, I will just you know always try to stay positive about it. But you know, there is always that worry that you do something too quickly, then the the fall will be equally quick or painful. But yeah, you know, it seems to be a good product overall at the moment. There's um, <laughs> the timbers notwithstanding. Um, you know, there's en- yeah. it's entertainment. The football is a lot better than it was 50, 10, 15 years ago, obviously, with the players that are now in the league and the more sustained quality of even not just the star players, but the ones underneath them. Like when, you know, you know when Zlatan can come into the league and, and obviously, personally, he was great, but as a team, he actually didn't do much for them. So, you know, that shows the quality of the league around him. Whereas, you know, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, I think if Zlatan had gone to a team in 2005, even at the age he was last year, he would have probably won them a title. Um, so I think the league's just improved that much in the last 15 years that, you know, you can't just buy one player and have them do everything for you anymore. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the league is better, but I do worry about the expansion over the next few years, how, how it'll, you know, the next 10 years will be quite critical for the MLS as far as, you know, stabilizing once they get to the 30 or 32 that they want to be stabilizing where they're at and then making the next move, yeah. I think will be the, the big thing. Yeah, and you touched on it. I, you know, I would totally agree that the level of play from when you know the Timbers entered the league ten years ago to now is is it's crazy how much it's grown. Um, and and you just nailed it with with like Zoltan or even a few years back with Gerard or I feel like you know like you said 10, 15 years ago you'd get these guys that are in their late thirties from from the Premier League or, you know, just overseas in Europe there, and they'd come in and just terrorize the league and win a couple cups just, just because of sheer talent, even though they were a little, you know, aging. And, and now I, I just – that model's not working anymore because, A, because the MLS doesn't want to be viewed as that any longer, like this, you know, retirement home for people. Um, but also because you just can't do it. You just can't roll Zoltan out there and be like, all right, we're going to win because he's here. No, like there's, you know, you had Velo across, across I-5 and he's taking it to you. So, um, you know, you can't just do that any longer. You actually have to build a team from, from the ground up and, and have that young, that young ability. And I, I think it is interesting. I think the Chicharito signing for the Galaxy this year is interesting because, you know, he's maybe viewed as a little bit older, but I feel like he's a little bit younger than maybe – obviously than, than Zoltan was or some of these other guys that have come in. Mm-hmm. So he, he's kind of in that, the twilight of his prime, I guess, whereas a lot of those guys have come in well after their prime. The, the, the prime is behind them quite a ways. So his, his impact on their team and the league is going to be interesting. I think they've got some younger guys around him that are actually pretty good too. So um, I think the Galaxy realized a few years ago that, that they couldn't do what they, that, that formula wasn't working anymore. So um, you know, his insertion into the league is going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're just seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing MLS teams go out and grab guys from the league, like from the top five Mexican league. And that, you know, 15 years ago, 
you would never would have guessed or seen that. Mm. And now you're you're seeing these MLS teams in their off season compete and sometimes beat uh, La Liga teams in the Concacaf, which wasn't happening ten years ago. So so the level of play is continuing to grow. Um, and you know, so to circle back, it's just it's going to be really interesting to make sure and see that that some of these smaller market teams like Portland and Denver and and uh, Kansas City, like can they keep up and and be able to to build build teams that can compete as all this star power kind of comes into the league? So um, it's definitely an exciting time. It's just scary. Again, I'll reiterate, it's a little scary as a smaller market team, but as a league as a whole, it's in a really good place. It's exciting for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I guess like because the next the other thing that you're hoping uh, in the next ten years is the the growth of the MLS then leads to a growth of the uh, we won't get into US national team chat at the moment, but just as a brief note that you'd mm-hmm. hope that development because that has stagnated a little bit the last couple of years with the missing out in the World Cup and and just a little bit of um uh, you know women's women's team is fine by the way uh, they're absolutely yeah, exactly. they're, they're flying uh, but the the MLS as far as the men's go um yeah the, the you'd want the league. With the league's growth and the amount of talent that's coming into it now, that that would lead to some better development for the men's team too. So that'll be the other thing to kind of as we enter the next decade um, to see how that goes. With um, particularly with a, a World Cup coming to the US in what six years? Um, so yeah, yeah. US and US and US and is it US, Mexico, and Canada, or is it just I US? know US, Mexico. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would... Yeah, that's a good point. I think you're right. I think there's a couple. I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of silly because uh, there's like what six games in Mexico, and it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I wish they would have split other, it up a little more. The but. other million are in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is just it is just flat out the infrastructure is just all there in the U.S. already. I guess so. As far yeah, as as yeah. far as you know, the I think it's FIFA Category Five. You have to be a Category Five stadium to host a, a World Cup game or whatever. So. Yeah. yeah, Mexico's in there. I'm trying yeah. to see uh, if they if this thing I'm reading here has a uh, has a breakdown actually of what um, <laughs> yeah three stadiums in Canada, three stadiums in Mexico, and but a whole lot of stadiums up there for <laughs> uh, for US. Yeah, I don't even I don't even know. And this thing I I know at one point I read the breakdown of games like in each country, but. Um, yeah, like you, I mean, you said the, the MLS will be front and center when that when this comes in six years, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, six years from now, we've seen how much this league has grown in the past six years. So, what this league looks like six years from now um, is going to be it'll be hopefully a good thing, hopefully interesting, and and hopefully can gain a little bit of a respect around the world, but. We shall see, and hopefully, there's a couple couple more stars on the old Timbers jerseys. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll cross our fingers. We won't we won't expect it. We'll hope for it. I guess is the way to put yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah. Going to a worldwide um, frame of thought. Just mixing my tongue up there for a second, but um, we'll chat chatting off air about um, you know, not that. I, I did predicate it to you before that I'm not like fear mongering about coronavirus or anything because I think it's just something you have to watch, watch and act for. It's not something that's um, it's certainly a serious issue with how it's spreading around the world as far as just its impact on certain certain demographics of people because it's certainly quite a dangerous dangerous disease depending on your um, health and health and age and whatnot. But um, a lot of us can just can just happily watch and act and not have to and be vigilant with the hygiene and whatever. But you don't you know other, apart from that 
you know, this panic buying of water and end of the world um, stocking up is a little bit out of <laughs> out of out of context with what's going on. But um, it is interesting as far as the sporting realm goes. We've just seen. I woke up this morning and saw that um, Italy has is now going to be playing closed door games for the next month, basically until April third. I think is their cutoff date at the moment, and I'm sure that'll just be something that's reevaluated as as the next month mm-hmm. plays out. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I was wondering what your thoughts are. Just with seeing how it is starting to affect the sports world, um, it's not it's not isolated to football alone. Um, I know the AFL is now. There's some statement today that the AFL's just watching the issue, and uh, Port Adelaide's annual game in China has been cancelled for this year. Obviously, um, that was yeah. a, that was only announced yesterday, or the day before. But that was a, that was a mere formality for me. I thought with everything going on, there's no way they could have that even organised for that to take place. Um, you know, even if they went and played, they'd have to quarantine for two weeks when they got back, which would fuck up training. So, uh, yeah, MotoGP, uh, the Formula One's cancelled um, or postponed. China MotoGP cancelled um, Qatar. They're opening around this week and uh, have postponed another one. So essentially, the MotoGP season starts being delayed by a month, which is a significant chance. <laughs> you know, the premier motorcycle competition in the world um, delaying their start by a month is pretty big for their calendar. And then, yeah, with uh, having the football implications start to come in with Italy. Going to be playing games behind closed doors, which is obviously um, both the teams. Just as far as their rhythm goes in games, I don't know how it would be to used to be used to being having that rhythm behind you of the crowd and whatnot, and because there is a certain um, musical quality to playing football with a crowd behind you cheering, um, and then just the fact that the, the um, you know brass tacks of the business business implications of having to not not being able to sell tickets for any of these games, um, you know concessions all those things that go into go into account um yeah it'll essentially just be training games for points i would think is how it'll feel to them out there and yeah your thoughts and how that's going yeah i mean it's been a wild a wild story a wild thing to watch obviously globally not you know outside of sports of yeah. course but um yeah the italy news was it kind of felt like it was is looming you know they've been talking about it um I think more than anything, obviously the the series A stuff. That's going to be really interesting how that kind of plays out. And but more, or even more interesting is you know, Juventus hosts a, a Champions League game coming up. It's like you're alluding to with like the atmosphere. It's just such mm. a strange. It's going to be such an eerie and strange thing to see. Um, and it, it's a shame, you know. I, I don't blame Italy. Obviously. It's going to be interesting. All the leagues, like you said, with AFL, like the leagues here are all doing the same thing. Kind of, you know, NBA is still going, and but you know, keeping an eye on things. I've seen, I saw some blurbs about, you know, March NCAA is keeping an eye on things closely with March Madness coming up, and um, you know, you're going to have all these players in there exposed, and all the fans that are in there exposed to each other. Um, but you know, Italy, obviously, that thing, <clears throat> it really morphed really quickly there, um, and so it, it, it's not shocking to me they've done what they've done and um you just hope i guess that, that you know places like here and, and other countries in europe don't see such a rapid outbreak and growth of the spread of the virus um because i think other countries and their respective leagues will have to follow suit um you know euro euro cup coming up here and well, yeah. i think today is 100 100 days i saw so and it opens in rome so like there you go. That that competition could be in question. The Olympics are going to be in some question. You know, we're still what six months from the Olympics, and and they, I have a they started a whole, they started you know, the torture relay yesterday, like the traditional start in Athens, I think. So, oh, really? that that has begun. There, so uh, that's there you go. 
a sign, but I guess they're just it's the same thing. Any any change in situation will see a drastic change in how things go forward. I think so. Yeah, the the torch being lit isn't isn't an indication in any way. It's just that they're doing what they can until until they know otherwise. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and you know it seems like from everything you read and see, and obviously we we don't know, especially there, um, but. It seems like obviously where it's, it started in China, everything ramped up really quickly and, and spread really rapidly in China. But now seems to be from what were reports, at least, is that it's under control. The growth is slow tremendously. So so hopefully we start to see that elsewhere around the world. Um, and, you know, other countries aren't hit like China or, you know, even to the level that, that Italy's been hit. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's going to cause some you know, I can only imagine if it were to hit hard here in the States, um, you have NHL playoffs coming up, you have NBA playoffs, again, March Madness, all these things coming up and uh, how the leagues pivot and handle, handle things is going to be interesting. Most of the money's in, I mean, the bulk of money, you're still going to lose concessions and ticket sales, like you said, but Mm. TV, the TV rights must go on, if you will. So I would imagine here they'll, they'll continue to play the games, but yeah, empty, Empty stadiums would be a really uh, unfortunate thing. Um, so hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But you know, I, I you can't rule it out. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got my ticket bought to go visit Andrea in end of April, um, and I'm really hoping to go to a baseball game. So just yeah, but for purely yeah. selfish reasons, just let's just keep this growth under under check. But in all seriousness, like I would totally be understanding if if that went to that. If it, you know. I I don't believe like there's a lot of there's a lot of xenophobia and fear mongering that's going on with this this outbreak that is completely uncalled for and just out just completely out of the realm of truth and whatnot you know just the the unfortunate mm-hmm. xenophobia that um, Asian people are experiencing um, you know I've seen that many different posts about uh, it's just a random podcast I listen to a bloke um, it's a horror movie thing not even related to sports but he's got a he's got a wife of um, Asian descent um, and. She's like he said that he's heartbroken because she's saying that she's noticing all the looks she's getting now, and it's just it's just really unfortunate. So all those things, um, you know, those are complete just just falsities that we need to get out and get rid of. But as far as like actual disease control, I completely would understand if the you know CDC or whatever did say, look, we need to get this in check. Let's just you know go close close doors games. We'll keep the keep the leagues running to get them to their conclusions. But you know if that's what they need to do, I understand that. Um, let's just keep it in check as far as our other, you know, the uninformed opinions are what's um, been really unfortunate about this whole thing for me. But um, yeah, I totally understand um, officials doing what they need to do. Um, ones that have reasonable understanding of what this disease is, how it's best to stop its spread, whatnot. Um, you know, that's that those things are understandable. And um, uh, this um, particularly thinking about Liverpool, uh, there's, you know, there's a chance that you could, there's a chance they could, you know, finally lift it, lift the Premier League trophy, and it'd be in front of an empty stand, which would be unfortunate. But if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Still got a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah to, to to touch on something you said is, if social media has taught us anything, which is we anyways, but people are dumb. That's, yeah. that's all I'll say about the, you know, the, like the podcast you listen to, like you know, just people are depressingly dumb sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's one of those things where you know we talk about all the time where um, 
you know, sports that are often used as an escape from whatever it might be, life or politics or money and all that stuff, even though all of that stuff is wrapped up into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one of those things where obviously the world and and what's happening in the world is, is coming into sports and is impacting sports. And, um, you know, it's just something you have to, to roll with and, you know, for the, you know, some things are bigger bigger than sports like people like to say so you know this is one of those cases where um you know obviously people and leagues and teams are gonna have to take the precautions that they that they feel necessary for the the safety of their players the safety of their fans and their staff so um you know let's just hope that that things things die down and it doesn't come to that in in more places than it already has yeah yeah and certainly like i said before it's um it's an interesting virus in the sense that it doesn't seem like it's one that's um you know, if you come into contact with it, you're instantly doomed. Um, it's something that is quite dependent on your um your that seems to be particularly young young and elderly that are susceptible, and then just depending on what your pre-existing conditions are as far as overall health goes. But um, unless something's completely harmless, and it's certain, like you know, obviously it, it is dangerous to some people, and we need to give it the respect it deserves. As far as even people that went, you know, myself as a 32 year old person who thinks I'm reasonably healthy, um, my liver might disagree. Uh, but beyond that, I feel like I'm doing okay. Um, physically, no, because sports injuries. But you know, I feel like I feel like even if I got a touch of what whatever it is, I'm I'm like as long as I got to a doctor and got treated fine, I'd be fine. That doesn't mean that the next per you know my elderly neighbour up the road isn't isn't um, more fearful, and that their fears are totally um, valid as well because they, you know this is something that's dangerous. So. Um, whatever they do to control it is understandable. And, you know, look, I, I don't want to see, you know, I'm still knocking on wood because it's not wrapped up yet. But, you know, if Liverpool do go on and do what we think they're going to do, um, I don't want to see it done in front of an empty stadium. But if they just, if the Premier League um, has reason to believe that we need to need to uh, be careful, then that's what happens. And, you know, you're just going to understand. It doesn't change, doesn't change, doesn't change the what you've achieved at all in one bit it doesn't change that all it does is just change the the highlights package of it that's and that's a that's a small thing in the grand scheme of things so yeah yeah i mean really all and for folks like you and i who are watching from thousands of miles away anyways it, it really exactly. doesn't change it for yeah. us uh it's you know who you feel bad for obviously relatively who you feel bad for is are the fans that have been waiting 30 years and, and you know, for that moment and, and won't get to experience it and whatnot. But uh, again, hopefully it doesn't come to that in one sense and hopefully it does come to that in another sense. Yep. Cause <laughs> I think, I think two weeks ago uh, and even when we last ch- chatted on here, I, we were feeling pretty good and I still do of course, but um, the shine has just come off a tiny bit, I guess, if, if you want to say, and um, with old Liverpool there. And I think, if anything, Hendo has wrapped up the player of the year because, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, hopefully, in, again, in one sense, hopefully it does come to that and, and that that is in question what, what, what they'll be in front of because, um, yeah, four more wins and we're there. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not too worried still. Um, I think we'll be fine. Um, you know, the other one that's really disappointed, this is not even to do with sports. I woke up this morning and – and this is a big thing. Like, I'm just going completely into pop culture rather than sports. But the premiere... That's exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> the premiere of James Bond has been moved by six yeah. fucking months. I went to <laughs> I went to two movies last night. I did myself a little double feature down that late for two. I went and saw The, light, the Lighthouse and The Lodge, which I call my isolation double feature because they're both very similar tonally. But 
both movies had the James Bond trailer at the start, and I'm sitting there thinking, fuck yeah, this is only a month away. And then I woke up this morning, and one of the first things I saw was, oh, we've changed it to the November 12th or something like that. And I was just like, yeah. that's when you, and, you know, again, from a business sense, I totally understand because, you know, box office opening weekends are so crucial to how a movie goes and how it's um, received and how, like, they, 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 and just buzz with a movie. I saw someone comment, like, why can't they just release it in the US now and like the rest of the countries can wait? And it's like, no, that just doesn't work because then the buzz wears off and when they do eventually release yep. it, it's just not going to be as big. So I understand why they've done it, but God, I love James. Like, especially, particularly Daniel Craig, James Bonds, I've really enjoyed. So I'm really, I'm really excited for this one. So yeah, it just shows how big this thing is as well because that's a, a huge move to pull a movie that was, has been, had quite the marketing campaign over the last month and a half, uh, two months, and really since it, since the title of a James Bond movie is announced. It's a yeah. slowly ramping up advertising campaign for all the film. And it's one of the biggest, biggest film series in history. So it's uh, quite the big move to move it by six months, but kind of just shows where we're at in the world right now and why it's understandable that the sports world's reacting in similar ways, uh, dependent on what they feel the situation is. So yeah, it's a watch and act thing for us. Relatively comfortable in um, the US and Australia respectively, but yeah. I got an NBA game on uh, Tuesday, so let's. Uh, I want to go to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, how are you? How are you feeling? Are you you get into a few Blazers games reluctantly, begrudgingly. Yeah, yeah. Sense of duty. Sense few... of duty. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, kind of more than anything. Yeah, uh, we've been sticking with those decade nights. Um, yeah. Yeah, went to a couple early on in the year. Obviously, went to a few couple with you as well, mm-hmm. and um, been a been a tough watch lately. Went on Sunday of a couple of weeks ago, the Pistons game, which you'd think on paper would have, should have been a, a nice, easy win. Obviously no Dame and, and no anybody basically other than CJ anymore. Um, <laughs> it turned out to be a really good game, which was fun because you're there. So it's a good game. They win. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but you walk out also like, well, God damn it. That, that shouldn't have been a good game, but uh, I guess I was treated to, to a good game. So whatever. Um, yeah, you know, and we spoke two weeks ago, three weeks ago about the Blazers. I'd have been a lot more fired up and angry, if you will, and mm. frustrated. And now I'm just numb, I feel like. Uh, with Dame going out, obviously, that was uh, kind of a death blow. I mean, they're still only three and a half back. Um, but, and Dame is coming back tonight. I think it just buzzed in my phone that he is going to play tonight. Um and to that, I say, why? Kind of like, I mean, I assume he, I assume they're not rushing him back, but, but now it's too late. Like, it's one of those things where for a long time, I wish they would have kind of, I tanked, I guess. I hate it, but it's, it's been, a, it's teams that do it, it works out. Um, I wish they would have three months ago. Now to do it, it's like, okay, so you're going to end up in like the, the 10th seed in the West and mm. still end up in like, a very high lottery pick if you don't make the playoffs. Like, no, if you're going to not make the playoffs, do it. If you're going to, if you're going to do something, do it right and do what the Warriors have done. And just, again, you know, the Warriors are injured, but if, if the Warrior, if Clay wasn't hurt, uh, would Steph have been out as long as he has been? Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, like they've pushed so, that date back a little bit on Steph a couple of times. Just like, we'll just make sure he's yeah. absolutely right rather than force him back, which is what is, is smart. It's smart, and you know I'm sure it's killing him in some sense. But in some sense, I'm sure he understands it too. 
he wants it. I mean, look, they're right now. Are they they still the worst? Yeah, they still have the worst record. So, you know, you add a healthy, a healthy Clay, a healthy Steph, Draymond, and a number one overall pick, and Andrew Wiggins for that matter, mm. next year, and the number one overall pick, maybe number two, number three, if if the the ping pong balls don't fall quite right. I mean, look out! Like they're just they're just going to be right back at it. You know, granted, they still have some. I know we've talked about it on here before that they didn't just lose Durant; they lost a lot of key key pieces, key role guys, but you know, those guys are replaceable uh, once the salary cap stuff kind of the dust settles a bit. So um, they could be right back to where they've been next year. And and part of me really wishes that when we saw early on that the Nurk was out most of the year and now I think all year and Zach was going to be out all year. Um, you know, Dame just doesn't have that bone in his body where you can ask him to take it easy uh, and he's in his prime, so it's hard as a franchise to ask him to do that anyways. But at some point a couple months ago, I do wish the writing was on the wall. You know, even if they make an eight seed, it's like, okay, you're just going to get bludgeoned by the Lakers. Um, you know, it, it would be nice to be to be looking at, oh, maybe we're going to have a top five pick next year. Uh, but that's not the case. And like I said, I, I don't think there's any point in ninth or tenth in the West. So might as well go for it, I guess. Uh, the problem is it's it's an uphill battle being – being three back, three and a half back, and you know the the Nurk fever of oh he's coming back after the All Star break and and he practiced and he looked really good and all of a sudden he had a quote calf sprain and hasn't been heard of. He's still on the bench, so that's a good sign. Mm. But he hasn't been heard of. There's been no talk of coming back. There's been nothing. It's been radio silence from the organization organization since then. So to me, that's a little worrisome. I feel like. Something's re-injured. Um, hopefully it's not that. Hopefully it's just things aren't as progressed as they thought they might be, and so they're taking it slow. Like, that's fine. Hopefully that's the case. I just fear that maybe something isn't healing right or didn't isn't actually looking very good, and, and there's some long-term worry there because uh, at this point, you know, we've got, what, two months left in the season, month and a half. I don't see him coming back because if he did, it would just be an overnight, like, oh, hey, Nurk's back tomorrow. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Because mm. uh, right now there's been no lead up to it, and that's that's a little worrisome, I think. And I, I don't think Zach is ever going to play this year. So, um, yeah, that was a big rant about probably not even the question you originally even asked. But uh, no, it was it was basically I, I think I asked how you feel about the Blazers <laughs> having been at games and whatever. So you you pretty much covered all the bases. Um, I think I don't like Whiteside. Yeah, <laughs> I like his stats on my fantasy team that I ca- I keep forgetting to set the lineup of because they're trash anyway. So it really doesn't matter. But that's about it. That's, yes. that's about it. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I I've got a yet. To, I recorded a pod with Shay a couple of mornings ago that I haven't actually been able to get online yet. So both of these will go online like a day day to day back to back. I think. But he we essentially said the same thing that um, it feels like we're at the point where it's just you've got to start looking at next year and making sure whatever you know if dame's injury doesn't seem like it's serious but you don't want to you don't want to ruin next year by going for something that's not even achievable this year um yeah so you you hit the nail on the head by saying you know nurk uh i hadn't i don't know if i was that aware that he had i I knew he had a setback i didn't i wasn't sure if there was any real worries about it but you know coming back from an injury like that that can be set back so let's just hope it's one of those ones and not 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 something more serious and um, a structural issue that could be, um, you know, lifetime from this point, that would be a worry. But um, that aside, you know, you want Nurk just to sit out the rest of the year, Collins to sit out the rest of the year, get fit and be ready to hit preseason like a rookie, um, you know, not in the sense of a rookie, but just, just be 
as ready mm-hmm. to go as you possibly can be. Same with Dame. Um, you know, CJ can go out there and get some stats at the moment, um, as he is. Uh, and uh, and hopefully he doesn't. Um, you know, if we're planning uh, planning to still hang around with CJ for a, the next year or two, um, keep you know just you know get through the rest of the season, play some. I don't even know what to say. Play some decent basketball with the young guys. You know, get some of the, you know the young guys in there and see what they can do um, in real crunch situations against good basketball players. Um, you know, in starting fives and whatnot, and see how they go against against the big boys and um, see what we've got there. And then, yeah, maybe a top five pick would be nice. I think that's like said, might not, not probably not possible now. With, but yeah, yeah, I'm not sure they can follow that for. Yeah, and you know that's a good point too. I, a couple questions for you on that actually, but one point I would say is, I think another disheartening piece of this year so far has been. Uh, I think there was a lot of excitement and hope around Anthony Simons mm-hmm. uh, after last year. The spurts he would get in, he looked really good and really promising. And then right early on, right at the start of the year, you, there was a lot of promising um, things to take away. And he seems to have hit a wall. Um, you know, he's still a baby. So by no means is he a guy like, oh, let's give up on him or trade. Like, I, I don't know that I'd, I'd say that. But I don't, I'd also say... I don't know. I think if you would ask me in November, I would have said he's untouchable. Don't don't do anything with him. Like he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. You know, just because of that, how high that ceiling seemed like it might have been. Um, now I, I don't. Again, I'm not advocating for a trade or like let's get rid of him. But I, now I wouldn't throw him into any sort of untouchable class for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I think if you can get something decent for him. Um, that helps you now and helps Dame win now or next year being now, uh, then I think you do it. But, um, you know, Gary Trent Jr. has been a pretty nice little surprise this year. But, again, it, yeah. he's a role player. He's I, not, I, I've he's probably been certainly more impressed with him than I have been Anthony Simon. So, yeah. Yeah, and maybe, and maybe that's what he'd develop into as a good role player. And, and you need those guys as well. So, um, obviously, yep, obviously salary caps are always a thing. But if he's he fits nicely in that spot then that's kind of looks like where he's falling into a little bit and that's fine um and he's still he's still a rookie and young so you know we'll see what go- happens from there but yeah yeah anthony i i it could just be that he's hit he's hitting that like he's hit that first wall where um mm-hmm. you know you've had your little burst and then other teams lock in on you a little bit more because they know what you, you a little bit of what you're capable of and Maybe he's just got to get over that but, or maybe maybe he just doesn't quite have that and then yeah, that's where he, that's where he falls into that realm of what kind yeah. of NBA player is he going to be? He's certainly useful, but um, yeah, we're missing a lot yeah, of those still guys. still a baby. Yeah, so, so we, we can't, you know, you're not going to give up on him yet, but it's certainly the first sign of, first sign of just things that he has to work on. Um, yeah, yep. very visible signs anyway, so. I'd be curious when you and Shade chatted, how, how, did you talk about CJ and how did that conversation go? I don't think we actually did. I haven't, I haven't listened back to it, but we didn't, there was not too much yeah. CJ chat. It was more general. Um, very brief because uh, we, we mostly talked about footy as well. So it was very brief. Yeah. On yeah. The Blazers, so it, um, yeah. I'm just really curious where the pulse of Blazer fan, no matter where you are in the world, obviously what, what the pulse is on CJ. Uh, obviously, the last five, six games with Dame out, he's putting up big numbers. Mm. Um, he's also putting up a high volume of shots, though. Sometimes he's hitting good percentage, but sometimes he's not. Like, and, and you know, there's something to be said, I think, about high volume shooters that are only making thirty percent of their bat. Like, I, I don't know. I, I have a, I, I don't like that personally. And I know some, you know, Kobe was a high volume shooter and scored, 
millions of points. So, you know, it, it, it can, it, it can work, but I don't know. You can, you know, obviously Kobe's Kobe. So, uh, but yeah, I'm just really so fascinated and I have a hard time seeing, I feel like talking about CJ is one of those things. If like you want to look at Blazers Twitter or just whatever people are, I think people are afraid to talk about him in any sort of negative way. No one's really gushing about him in super positive ways. And so I, I just, I'm really curious where people, if you gave them the truth, see him what they, how they feel about him, because I know my thoughts personally are probably not popular maybe, but I just, I think the experiment's over and I think it's time to move on. And I like him as a dude. I like him as a, I like him as a player even, I guess, but I just think for a hundred million dollars, you're just not getting, getting what you need out of him on a night to night basis. Mm -hmm. Maybe I've said it on here. Maybe I've just said it in like other conversations we've had, but with Steph and, and Clay out, like you, there's no reason that those uh, Damon CJ shouldn't be the best backcourt in the league, and they're just not. And one of them is, but the other is just not. Mm -hmm. And when you're making that kind of money and you have those kind of expectations, you got some big guys out. Sure, it's going to make life difficult. I'm not saying they should be a 40 win team right now, but 27 and 35, that's just not acceptable. And Dame's pulled his weight. And up until Dame went out, I just don't feel like CJ has. And I, I feel like that's a big part of the problem. Um, you know, he, he, you know, to be fair, I don't think they win the Denver series last year without him because Dame clearly hit a wall, but, mm. and was hurt. I think we've talked about that before. I think he had some, some deeper injuries than, than anybody knew about, but, but man, I just, you can't just pick and choose to show up when you're that kind of moneymaker and you're that kind of a, you know, supposed to be leader. Um, the one, whoops, the one guy here on the radio always talks about uh, how Dame seems to come back every year and elevate his game a little bit. He's yeah. either a better defender, or he, you know, he's driving the ball more, or now he's got the fucking shoot from half court like it's nothing. Like he's always evolving his game. He's always becoming a better player. And I feel like CJ's been the same player for the last four years. Like he doesn't come back and oh, CJ's added this to his game, or this is different, or he's doing this at a higher clip. He's just the same player every mm -hmm. single year. And, you know, I think his trade value has gone down too. I don't know that, you know, two years ago, I think you probably could have got a big haul for him. And now I don't, you know, I don't know what you can get for him. I don't know what that trade market would even look like. Um, but I, I have to say, I'm, I've, if I take anything away from this year that maybe will just be looked at as a, a forgotten year, let's, let's move on from it is, is his inability to kind of step up and take those next steps, I think. Yeah, and that that might be the that might be the issue that we find ourselves in now is that it's not worth trading him because there may not be the trade that actually um, gets the Blazers any better, and you, you then you might as well stick with the guy if that makes sense. Like, because you you, you kind of summed up where like I think you said the issue with Twitter and how no one seems to want to talk positively and negatively, and you pretty much just summed it all up was that uh, he's been good to decent and had great moments. He's a nice guy and a really good blazer. Kind of just seems like a good Portland kind of guy, and I think that all those things come together to have people go, "Well, fuck! How do we how do we say we might need to trade him without sounding like an asshole?" Because <laughs> we don't, you don't. I don't think. I think even what what you're saying, you don't actually want to because you want to see a better CJ. Whereas Hassan Whiteside, yeah. Hassan Whiteside is putting up great stats. So you just you you drive him to the airport if you could. Um, whereas CJ is somewhat disappointing us, but we really want to see him get better for the Blazers rather than trade him. But then. There is a thing where it's like 
he's not quite valuable enough to say he's untouchable. So then if the tr- right trade comes up, then you would. And that's what's a hard discussion to have because it's hard to, in the in the vacuum of Twitter where everything you say is just taken on, taken on word value rather than any context um, seen through the seen through the 260 characters um, it's really hard to put your opinion out there um, you know you always have to add a second or third tweet explaining your your uh, disclaimers to what you've said unfortunately yeah. yeah no one no one understand no one, yeah there's a lot of context missed on Twitter um, but yeah it's it's really hard because um, I think and that's where I'm 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 99% with you. I just don't know if the trade's out there. Um, as you said, the trade value is a little bit below probably where it was because um, there is the underlying questions. And I think there's, I think a, few, a lot of the national media guys that are big basketball guys are saying the same things. It's like CJ hasn't gone to the level we probably thought he would with Dame. Um, and that's been... And it's hard to say with how bad the season's gone because um, CJ's certainly not an isolated problem um it's the it's team wide dame's really the only one you know obviously just being dame yeah. because he's a he's a incredibly special talent um cj's a little bit more a barometer of the team if cj's bad the team's bad if cj's good then it means usually i mean uh, the last week aside like if cj's good with dame then generally the team's really good if dame's yeah. good cj's bad and they're playing in the same game then the team's bad it's like cj's more of the barometer and dame's the outlier because he's just fantastic and uh yeah. yeah we it's 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 going to be interesting to see because i think I, I would like to see cj here next year unless i again unless we get the blockbuster trade which i just don't know if is available to us now yeah um so with that in mind uh build around cj and dame for next year again i guess is the only th- and then not hopefully nurk and collins as well and then see how it goes next year with a bit more of what we expect from the team you know if all these guys are healthy and uh again if he doesn't lift up his level then maybe that's when we really need to look at the trade but again that that value will drop too if he has another year that's a little bit questionable so yeah i mean good you you made a good point there too it's you know the next year with the current roster constructed won't be there should be optimism going into the year if everyone's healthy yeah ronnie hood too which you know, he he again. Yeah. It is to be fair. They did they did lose three of their five starters right off the bat. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, that's what I'm not. They're not shouldn't be a 40, 45 win team or anything. But I just don't think they should have been as bad as they are this year. Um, you know, Carmelo has been a nice little a bright spot, but can you bring him? Is he willing to take? Odd odd to say this. Is he willing to take the hometown deal next year? Because I I think the Blazers have twelve million dollar uh, spot that that they will have uh, that they can use. I don't want to see that $12 million spot used on Carmelo. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> nothing against him. It's just where he's at in his career. You know, if we, if we can get him the veterans minimum, maybe a little above or whatever he's making this year. Fine. I, I think he's a great locker room presence. I think Dame and CJ really like him. Um, yeah. And he, again, he's been a pleasant surprise. He's trying out there. He's playing defense when he can. He's passing the ball. Um, I have noticed a little since Dame's been out, he, a little bit of that hero ball mentality has come back a bit. Somewhat out of necessity, somewhat as an opportunity, I think. Mm. Um, but I, he has been a pleasant surprise this year. If you asked me in September, you got an eye roll from me about him, and now I'm like, yeah, I like. You know, he's been good. I've, I've been happy with him. I think Ariza's a nice little piece, is a veteran presence too. So, and I, I think he's still on the books for next year. Anyways, I don't think he's an expiring deal. So, um, you know, th- there is some optimism next year. It's just like. I've seen this story before. I've seen this movie, you know, for 30 years now. And, 
Mm. Yeah. And again, I think that also to to circle it back to our first topic, <laughs> I think that's mainly where the fear fear comes from in my head with the Timbers is I'm just terrified. I thought we had something like, okay, we're going to be one of the powers in a league finally. And now I'm like, oh God, are we just going to be this like middling middle team, never the best, never the worst, just kind of hanging out? Is that going to be us in soccer too? So yeah, we'll see. Only time will tell. Uh, in about 10 years, we'll be saying the same thing about our baseball team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully, hopefully, Oregon football has a championship by then. We then it all means shit to me. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's that's the one odd outlier in um in an Oregon sports is that Oregon football obviously just courtesy of the fact Nike was literally invented in at the University of Oregon. Essentially, uh, where we are blessed to be a powerhouse in college football, um, despite the fact we don't have a natty. It's it's you know, but. Yeah, beyond that, you know, it's um yeah, Portland unfortunately will always be just one of the smaller market teams even though it's one of the best, you know, one of the best cities in the world and and all that stuff. It's just, you know, it's it's you know, there's a certain yeah, the glitz and, as I said circling back to the start, it's the, the glitz and glamour that people can at least advertise about New York and LA and all that will always just win them just points alone for that. So is what it is. We'll always be pushing shit uphill as as I said earlier as well with the um Whatever it seems like any team that we support really. Um, yep. I always feel like that. Yeah. I mean, you you talked you touched on like Oregon there being a power because you know just got lucky basically or um, with with having. But I know, also think that's a sports. testament. That's a testament to you know the you can say the University of Oregon kind of there was an Oregon coach and a guy a kid that was. Enroll, yeah. enrolled there they did that at the university of oregon so i think we deserve to have that um as oregon alum i'm proud of the fact that it was that started there and you know people can say oh they're just getting they're only they're only relevant because of nike money it's well yeah it was it started there so deal with it like track floor is only relevant because of gatorade so yeah <laughs> it happens yeah uh it's a testament to the but university yeah, maybe not Maybe not even today, but I think that's an interesting around college football, an interesting topic. I don't know if you've seen the, how uh, does just say rumors at this, but the, the idea has been floated out. I think USC is tired of how the Pac-12 is moving right now, and the idea of them leaving the Pac-12 has been floated out. Um, again, I don't think there's legs on it at this point yet, but it has me excited or thinking of the opportunity as the Pac-12 continues to be left in the dirt in all sports, not just football. Mm-hmm. Um, all big nationally recognized sports, I guess I should say, because they, they still dominate in a lot of the little sports. But um, it's an interesting idea to think about teams like Oregon or USC or Washington saying, okay, fine, Pac-12, you can't get your shit together. You know, either going independent or going and joining the Big 12 or really uh, – a seismic shift to how college football and college sports looks, I don't think is out of the realm of possibilities in the next five, 10 years. And so it's, it's interesting when you say a brand like USC or, or Oregon or Washington, uh, what that could look like here, here soon. Uh, you know, if the Pac-12 doesn't get their shit together, I didn't mean to start a whole new topic. If we've already been going a while, I know, but no, I was so. actually, that was going to be my last question to you as like a way to just round it out. Cause I lit, I woke up and there was, um, because Twitter, I guess Twitter knows who I'm friends with. Usually it sends me the notification, like it's usually Vince, Shea or Andrea has tweeted this, like, you know, not like at yeah. me, but it just gives you the notification of what the people you, thing, yeah. you interact with do. And I, that tweet was on my phone this morning and 
I was going to ask you about that as kind of a round around out question just to see what, because I, I didn't know anything about the rumors. I'm um, obviously being in Australia. It's hard, you know, I've said before, it's just you have to seek out the news rather than have it pushed to you um, sometimes. But luckily, Twitter alerted me to your tweet about it. So I was going to ask, like, so the rumor is just, is it? And I know the Pac-12 has been a shit show. So I, was, I essentially think the rumor must be just that the programs are getting tired of the Pac-12 and are just, saying if you don't get your shit together we might look at other opportunities is that the crux of it i guess yeah i think so i think i mean i think it's been an interesting thing you know the fans uh fans of the pac-12 and all of their teams not just like oregon or anybody have been frustrated with larry scott and the leadership for years now Mm -hmm. uh and it's becoming very clear if you look at TV deal money and, and just money coming in i don't know the numbers exactly i'd have to look them up i don't have in front of me but it's something like each big 10 team in like two or three years, each big 10 team will be getting like $60 million each or something like that from TV deals alone. While the PAC 12 is getting like 12 or two or 20 or something like that. Like yeah. a third of the money. Again, the numbers, you know, I, we can, we can follow up with actual accurate numbers, but it's absurd. And, and so I think that, you know, money talks. So now that we're starting to see that stuff, a lot of the fan frustrations have been around for a long time but it seems like the presidents and ADs have, have still backed Larry Scott and what he's done and this disaster of a fucking network that is the Pac-12 network. Um, but now in, in some interviews, the um, the USC president, I believe it is, or maybe it's their AD, has been just thrown out in interviews in this subtle little, again, it's not like he's outright said, oh, we're leaving the Pac-12, but he's thrown barbs out there of, you know, alluding to if they don't get their shit together we would explore it Mm. or if someone i think i think better put is if someone came knocking kind of a thing so i think finally um and it'll be interesting to see if people like oregon or washington even ucla you know i know they're not on the field doing great but they're a big brand a big name especially Mm. basketball so um you know it'll be interesting and, and if they'll follow suit, uh, in my opinion, would those four or, you know, throw, throw Arizona, Arizona state, or, you know, if you throw four, four to six of the teams in the back 12, if they're all like, Hey, you know, big 10 or big 12, let's do, we tried to do this like a decade ago and kind of combine and, and keep up with the sec and big 10, like let's do it now. Uh, I don't think I'd be sad. You know, there's a lot more travel involved, but, uh, I don't, I think from, for, for teams like that, I mentioned Oregon, USC, Washington, if they want to be in this national, you know, for football standpoint, if they want to be in this college football playoff talk, or they want to have a chance at the big dance, something's got to be done. Cause in the current state of affairs, the Pac-12 is left out looking in every year, basically. So, um, you know, something's got to be done and, and combining forces with people like Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma state probably wouldn't be the end of the world. So, be some fucking, um, be some fucking fun road trips. I'd be down for an Oregon, Oregon, Texas, down in Austin, get my barbecue on. Oh yeah, could you imagine Oregon, Oklahoma? Okay. Oh, <laughs> there's, some, there's there's a little bit of animosity there. I feel like just yeah, back from two thousand two thousand seven or whatever it was. Yeah, two thousand six. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It was before my time, but I've been I've regaled with the stories as soon as I moved to Oregon about that one. So yeah, yeah. Highway robbery. I can admit it. <laughs> Highway robbery. <laughs> Still one of my fondest memories at Austin Stadium. So. <laughs> yeah, and that would be. Fun. And look, you've got to look at um, you know tradition aside, you know, the Pac, the Pac twelve, Pac ten, whatever, um, whatever iteration has been. Um, in this day and age, uh, when you're trying to win championships, um, 
And the big talk last year with Oregon being floating around there was like, oh, the Pac-12 is not strong, though. You know, all the mm-hmm. traditional powers like USC and stuff aren't that good. And and a lot of that stuff over the last 10 years has been both, you know, USC has been a bit of a shit show at times as far as how they're managing their coaching processes and whatever. And But, you know, it, part of it comes down to the management of the conference as a whole, too, as far as how it's portrayed and, and how, you know, because if the conference is a shit show, then that does affect recruiting, too, a little bit. So, um, you know, it would be... If if we if you had four or six teams from the Pac-12 say yeah we'll go to the Big 12 then you then you'd have probably the, they'd work out travel schedules based on I assume there'd be some realigning of conferences within the conference uh-huh. if that makes sense or divisions whatever like like we had when the Pac-10 went to the Pac-12 they realigned how that worked for um you know you had your top and bottom north and south and then you kind of just traveled around every few years to the other ones. There'd be something like that happen and the travel and stuff would be a thing. You know, you'd be traveling far and wide at times, but you do that anyway in some of your big preseason games, I put it in air quotes because they matter at the same time. But yeah, um, it would work. We'd make it work if it was better for better for the comp, uh, better for the programs. Um, if it's better for Oregon, that's all I really care about at this point, you know. That's, exactly, what, that's yeah. what we care about when it, at the end of the day, and I think that's um, all true fans of any program. You're not. You're not a. F- I mean, we're fans of the Pac-12 in bowl games because we want to see the Pac-12 winning. Um, apart from Washington, um, and then, uh, you know, depending on the game. Um, the fucking stuff, Huskies. Yeah. Uh, but you, so you do. You do support your. You do support your conference in that sense. But um, yeah. if if but the conference has got to you know got to give it back to you as well. And um, yeah, no, I, I totally. I'm I'm very open to the idea of exploring it. If the and that and that's and at the moment that's what the Pac-12 needs to hear. They need to hear that this yeah. this disgruntlement has gone to that up to that athletic director level and that they're going to explore and that puts the ball in the the conference's court, puts it in Larry Scott's court, and to do what they can do and what they need to do. And if they can't do it, then the programs will do what they need to do. Yep. Yeah. And again, I don't think anything will actually come of it in yeah. that sense, but. It is nice, like you said. It's nice to hear that the the ground is swelling a little bit. Um, that being said, I I do think with with how Power Five, Power Four and a Half, or whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> the ACC is no better than the Pac-12, though. So um, we'll call it three and a half. Power three and a half. I think it's going to be interesting the way the money's moving, though. How everything's progressing. I think there is a swell, and I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know how many years from now. Probably not even as soon as when the, the the first like college playoff negotiations resume. I think that deal goes to like 2024. Um, but it, it feels like we're going to progress towards some sort of, I don't know, 40, 50 team division, if you will, that's a, at a different level. Because um, it's five. Not really is with the amount of money that's going into these big programs and you know Oregon included. I'm not saying Oregon's a small program in this. They're, they got plenty of money to throw around. So um, it is it is going to be really interesting. And, and I kind of hope that this group of 40, 50, however many teams do to kind of separate themselves because uh, I think it'd be good for both parties. I think some of those lower teams would have you know uh, you know they have their own division, if you will. I, it's still exciting. It's still fun. It's still football or sometimes basketball. I'm still going to watch. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop, if you will, kind of separating themselves wouldn't be the end of the world. So, so how that looks, if the Pac-12 is the first one to Big Ten or the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are the first ones to, to take that shot and, and start that seismic shift like we did see 10, 15 years ago as, as things started to realign. You had teams jumping in the SEC and the Big Ten and 
you know, I, I think we're in, in store for another one of those shifts somewhat mm-hmm. soon. Um, this should be, you know, will the Pac-12 be the ones to take the first shot? So it'll be interesting. Yeah, sports and life and everything in general is all about evolution, and sometimes it, you know, history yep. history is nice, but um, unless unless the history of you know, uh, you know, traditions evolve as well, and if they can't, if it's not malleable to the situation that needs to happen to go forward, then you've just got to you just got to cut ties, and that's just just the way it is. It's life. <laughs> yep. Yep. So true. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I guess we've gone a while, but we can finish off with um. There's, since staying in the college realm, uh, college basketball. Oh, yeah. We're getting into we're getting into the 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 nitty gritty of it all now. How are you feeling about the men's men's basketball? First of all, with Oregon, uh, pretty good. If I mean, if they get healthy, um, they got a couple guys banged up. Duarte's out. I hopefully be back for like the big tournament, but maybe not. Yeah, I, I, I did read that this morning that he's out for Vegas for good, uh, isn't he? They did officially say he's not. You know, I'm pretty sure I saw me. something about that, yeah. He had, like, surgery on one of his fingers, pinky, I think, so it's probably, and his shooting hand. So I wouldn't mm. be surprised if he's just out. Um, you know, if I were a betting man, which I am, uh, I don't <laughs> even know. I think I don't even know where to begin as far as if you're picking handicapping who's going to win the whole damn thing this year. I mean, I guess Kansas because they're a name you know and they are really good, mm. but – they're they're good. I don't think I don't think anybody in college basketball is really good. I think we're progressing this way more and more every year, where the tournament's just like crazy, and there's you know teams are beating everybody. You know any number can beat any number, and I, this year's only going to be even worse. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not going to be a chalk year. It's it's going to be kind of crazy. I think the the Ducks are at least a second weekend team. Um, you know maybe even get a, a win in the second weekend. I'm just not sure they can score enough um, outside of Pritchard to get to that third weekend, if you will. Mm. Um, but if Pritchard's on fire, I mean, he's proven he can lead, he can carry this team. So if he's if he's feeling it and can have six games like we know he can do, who the hell knows? Maybe they got a shot at the whole damn thing. Because really, I just don't think there's a a really great team out there. So. I think I think they can beat anybody in the country. I'll say that um, if Pritchard's hot, I think they could. Now, whether they can do it six weeks in or six games in a row, you know, I don't know about that. But um, yeah, it should be fun. I, I would. I they they the ball's in their court as far as winning the regular season of the Pac-12 here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got two two winnable home games that that would get them that that crown. And then um, you know they're they're always good with their backs against the wall. So I wouldn't bet against them in the Pac-12 tournament. And then again, like I've said already. It, and I think they can they can definitely make some noise um, in the in the big tournament. Hopefully, hopefully they can continue to to close out the regular season and and do well in the Pac-12 tournament. So that so their seed's good. You know, hoping for a three seed would be really great. They're probably slotted more as a four at this moment. But yeah, um, yeah, I think they could do it. I think there's I think there's 25 teams that could do it. So so it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's definitely been the thing over the last decade with the like you know the real one and done era really getting getting going um it's uh you the just the the chaos of i remember watching you know even a decade ago watching the games where um you know a 12 seed would be the five seed and would be such a big upset and and now it's just like it seems like you just kind of every time i do my bracket i pick a couple of those just to and it usually fucks up my entire tournament bracket but (laughs) because i never pick the right one but you know you do that because you just it's going to happen at some point. So, um, yeah, I, 
The one that you touched on, Pritchard, like, you know, we were wondering if he was going to try and declare for the draft last year, which would have probably... That decision to come back has paid off in spades for him. He's had just a... He's gone up a level this year for Oregon, and it's been great for Oregon and for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before... I mean, last year, I, I we talked about it, like you said. I don't I don't think he would have gotten drafted in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this year, I mean, I've seen him as... I've seen him as high as, like, a, the eighth overall pick, which... I, I I don't know about that, but um, I also had in a few different mock drafts, I have actually seen him at, at various places because, you know, where the Blazers end up is who the heck knows. They could mm. be the 20th pick. They could be the 16th pick. Uh, but I've seen him going to the Blazers on multiple occasions, which, you know, partially I think is just writers like putting the two together, yeah, you know, yeah. making the, making that, that easy, easy blurb to write. But, um, you know, I, I do think, I think he's going to be a, a fun little um, backup point guard, and and hopefully he can get some sticking power in the NBA. Someone said it last night. One of my buddies said last night, Steve Blake, and I was like, you know what? That's yeah. a damn good. You know, he was never a superstar. It was never even maybe the top three player on your team, but was always a solid guy you'd want to have on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and Blazers had him for a number of years, and he was great. So, you know, I don't think Pritchard can defend at an NBA level, especially. You know, there's some point guards in the NBA that I don't think anybody can defend, really. But, um, you know, you definitely don't know that, that Pritchard's up to that at this moment. You know, obviously he can change. But as far as scoring and shooting and 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 commanding an offense, he's, he's got all the tools he needs. So he, he's going to have his shot. And it seems like he will get drafted in the first round. So um, I, I just wonder how much people like Kenny Wooten and Bo Bo, although his scenario I think was a little different, but how, how much they wish they maybe would have done the same because things haven't exactly worked out swimmingly for either of those guys either so yeah um he made the right call and, and like you said it's, it's going to pay off in spades and in both just in his Oregon lore if you will as well as more importantly for him um his 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 checkbook it should be should be relatively thick if he does go in that first round next year yeah yeah and that's 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 a testament to that you know there's a lot of guys obviously that go out of college after one year that should because they're ready for the NBA you know Zion and Anthony Davis immediately come to mind as some yeah. prime examples but you know and then you have you know Lillard had a, a full college career in it and that mm-hmm. he came into the NBA is and he was a star straight away probably because of that and you know if he'd left after one year who knows what would have happened but um you know Lillard was Lillard and and Pritchard as well like you know I don't think he gets drafted last year this year he, he's very good chance to get drafted. So it's like, yeah, the, there is still a, a road to the NBA that um, uses college as a legitimate uh, land, uh, stepping point. It's just everyone's road's different. So, yeah, we'll never, yep. I never against yep. one and done, guys, because, you know, Ben Simmons is another one who um, I don't know if he ever <laughs> don't know if he ever really intended a class properly. I'm not sure how his, his LSU <laughs> career was so. a weird one, but, um, you know, yeah. Uh, there, there is a place for the college player, and um, and Peyton Pritchard certainly like his coming back. Both for us as Oregon fans was good, and and it's and it's helped it helped his career aspirations exponentially. I think with this season he's had. So, yeah, someone I mean someone who could have gone last year and would have been absolutely fine, but has come back and done incredibly well, and leaving the best of last is Sabrina. Is um, we haven't. Yeah. I meant to talk about her in last time we talked, and we um, I think I ran out of time because I had cricket. But yeah, um. That is that is uh, one of the I think someone's already talked about the Mount Rushmore for Oregon athletes. She's on there now, and yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say that same term. Like, yes, her. You know, 
as far as and granted, you know, I, going back to my as long as I've been, you know, following everything in Oregon sports closely, like it's her and Marcus, and the rest are get in line because yeah. Um, and and I think you've got a very good argument that she's the the and I I take that back. To be fair, Ashton Eaton also should be up there. I would I would put Ashton Eaton up there just with his yeah. People yeah. people forget how the, how many medals he's it's forgettable. Won. Yeah, yeah, not forgettable in a bad way, but yeah, yeah, he. It's the smaller sport, if you will. So mm-hmm. it's it's sometimes easy to gloss over that. Um, but yeah, maybe him aside, or you know, Marcus, like she, you could make a very very strong winning argument that she's the, the greatest, you know, Oregon athlete at least in the last twenty years, if not mm-hmm. ever. So, um, you know, all three of the, you know, the and Ruthie, and, uh, there's no reason to believe they can't win the whole damn thing. We talk about the men's and their opportunity to, to do make some noise in the tournament. Well, the women aren't there to make noise. They're there to win that damn thing. And I think they very well could. And uh, they should. Their regional finals should be hosted here in Portland. So uh, hopefully looking forward to seeing them off to the final four here at the Moda Center. So, um, yeah, they, they would. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to play them because they've been they've been beaten up on everybody in the top 10 that they've played lately so yeah um which is a good sign it's and that's the thing is like it's not like they've just been they've had plenty of games against tough opposition and had really good wins um so it's not like they're just they're you know creaming shit opponents although they're doing that as well um they're they're yeah. getting wins against big teams they, they beat team usa this year it's um you know they've had some they've had some, yeah. they've had some damn big moments this year to to steal them for the tournament, and as you said with the men's tournament as well, it's a, it can be a bit of a shit show. And unfortunately, it only takes one bad game. You know, Liverpool should never lose yeah. to Watford, but they did, and the same thing can happen in <laughs> happen in the in NCAA tournaments. But uh, they're all they all seem to be fit. I haven't heard of anything about injuries wise um, too much with the women. Um, not that I again, no. I, it's hard to get the news here unless I seek it out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Sabrina's had obviously a big month. Um, Obviously, the she was uh, close to Kobe um, and had a great, you know, was down at the memorial and had a great, great words to say there, and then flew straight up to Stanford and and broke records in the same day. So um, she's just transcended culture as well. as it's really impressive and proud as you know, as an Oregon alum. You know, we always talk about men of Oregon, but you know, the women of Oregon are um, just as just as great and important to the legacy of Oregon athletics as a whole. And I think she's mm-hmm. certainly, as you've, as you've touched on already, possibly the greatest athlete in Oregon history and is one that's going to be talked about for, um, like she's going to be talked about like Prefontaine and all those guys, you know, he might be the other one just yep. for his uh, legacy as well. That's on that mountain. But um, yeah, she, her, her achievements this year and, um, you know, breaking records that are held in both the men's and women's. And um, you get those stupid comments from people again on Twitter that say, oh, it's, you know, the women's are different. But no, she's she's doing, she's breaking records that are men's and women's records. So that's that's important. And that's a genuine, genuine, like, notch in her belt as to just how transcendent of an athlete she is. Yeah, and I'd argue, you know, last year, college basketball, men's college basketball had Zion. And, and you know, you always have these stars. A couple of years ago, you had, uh, what's his ass, the, the crazy dad, the ball, ball kid. Yeah. Um, so you always have these guys that are like the biggest star in college basketball. I don't, you can't argue against her being the biggest star in college basketball this year. I I just don't, you can't find me a a guy on the men's side that is a bigger star, a bigger name, a bigger household name. And granted, we're in a little bit of a vacuum here, so we hear her name all the time, but 
Yeah, you go over to the East Coast, any dot any city along the East Coast, they've heard of her name if you're a college fan. So, um, I, 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 she's the biggest star in college basketball this year, and that's let alone for it to be on the women's side of college basketball, but for it to be in little old Oregon out here is pretty pretty remarkable. Yeah, well, um, I, I mean, I can tell you, just someone that's living in Australia, my Twitter feed. Obviously, it's catered towards Oregon sports a little bit, but I see all the Bleacher Sports and uh, Bleacher Report, House of Hoops, all those different accounts uh, putting up videos of you know Sabrina meeting um, Steph Curry's kid and and Steph going yeah. to her games and her having photos of all these different guys. Like those are accounts that aren't affiliated with Oregon in any way. So she has gone from just being you know us knowing about her the last couple of years to being, as you said, the biggest athlete and, um, and the biggest player in college basketball is. A, um, an inarguable fact for me, I think this this year in particular, yep. yeah, yep. Um, yep, and fully deserved because she's uh, playing the game. She's the best player in college basketball and men's or women's. She, I, I, you know, she's fantastic to watch. We we went down and saw her uh, last when I was up there with you guys, and she was just she got a triple double in three quarters, like yeah. amazing, yeah, crazy. Yep, she's as advertised. That's for sure. Yeah, gonna be fun to watch in the tournament. It's gonna be really good to see. Uh, regardless of how they go, I think she's going to have a great tournament either way. So, um, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. They got a real, a real shot to bring home, bring home one for all these sports for so long. The Oregon's been so close in so many different sports. Yeah. Maybe it's fi- finally time. Hopefully, knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've gone for almost two hours here, and um, it is it is nice that we've had a couple. The last couple of pods have had positive Oregon talk because a couple of years ago it wasn't so much the case. But last last pod we recounted the Oregon football season, and it was nice nice chat. And then we're talking about how good the yeah. how much of a good place the men's and women's are in, like regardless of how they go towards the end of the season, they've had great seasons, and that's what you've always got to appreciate that, and especially in college sports. Um, you know, we do want to win championships, but the general the general just vibe around college sports. Um, is also important for your programs going forward. You know, it's always looking to the next year a little bit too. So um, it is a good place to be in considering where um, both men's and women's basketball, I mean, men's basketball was just terrible when I moved there and women's was pretty horrible a few years back as well. And it's good to see all the programs, are, um, you know, potentially I think if the men close out this, this week, then we'll be the first team to win the uh, football men's and women's uh Pac-12 title all in the same sporting year, so I mean that's a Crazy. hopefully yeah. all undefeated at home too. Yeah, hopefully. yeah, I did see that the men are um, yeah fifteen and zero or whatever at home at the moment. So yeah, just a couple more to go. Yep. Yeah. Oh uh, well. Yeah. Now, being that this one's going to be almost two hours, I guess we should wrap this one up. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is fun to get on. There's a lot of there's um, yeah a lot of lot of things going on in the sports world at the moment. So. Both yep. on the court and off the field and all that stuff. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back at it in um, probably a week or two. I'm trying to just bounce between you and Shay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'll be fun if we can ever get it. if we can ever get uh, get one where we somehow get a group call together. Um, but you know, Shay's Shay's a Shay's a working man and a school going man. You know, doing getting them, yeah. getting their Mickey Mouse checks and. <laughs> uh, he told me he, he he told me he could get direct deposit, but he actually wants the check with Mickey Mouse on it because it actually comes with Mickey Mouse on it, which is unreal. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Anyway, good chats as always. Um, until next time, yep. stay sportsgasmic. Cheers.